All your base are belong to us. Hello and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and this year I engaged in my holiday tradition of my life falling apart in December. So it's been a while, and we're, we're doing some delays, because my life fell apart, as it always does, every goddamn year. I'm Mary, I'm a digital marketer, and um, yeah, Missy rubbed off on me, and my life kind of fell apart, too. Though this happened to you last year, Did too. it? I probably blocked it out. Yeah, um, yeah December's a bad time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bad month and we should get rid of it it's a bad month and um as something corpa said forget december it won't be better yeah um and as the matches said december is for cynics this is true thank you for coming to a punk rock christmas or whatever the fuck that mixtape was called uh yeah so it's been bad and so i told missy we do not have to record because missy feels like we always have to record and i said no let me tell you, I'm not ready for American Gods. I it's okay. My Chemical Romance. There's a, a lot thing. to talk about in American Gods, despite me thinking Boy, howdy it's okay. Is there. But there's like a lot to talk about. Yeah. Again, it's it's a rich text. Yes, it, rich it text. really is. I'm just not that into it. Yeah. It kind of feels like the Black Parade. Mm-hmm. I can see it's a really good album. Yeah. And it's done masterfully. I'm just not that into it. Yeah. There's so many people who can be like, what the fuck did she just say? Yeah. But it's my least favorite album. No, your, the vibes are right. I feel you. Yeah. Um, Let's do what we've been up to. I suppose. There's a few things on I here. watched a lot of movies that are not on this list because I've watched them already. But it was very fun. I watched a lot of movies with my mom. And my mom's reviews of these movies <laughs> were spectacular. My favorite, my favorite one was we watched Gone Girl. I love God Girl. And her her response was, that was weird. And then we watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, so good. And her response was, it was kind of weird. Love the idea that Gone Girl is weirder to my mom than Everything Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> that Everything Everywhere All at Once, just kind of weird. Gone Girl, though. It tracks with your mom, I feel like. Yeah. Did she finish uh, Book Lovers? No. No. Oh. No. She is reading it, though. I think I have one more. Okay, I'll go first. I read the book Co-op about a million years ago, so I'm sorry when I um, don't know everything that happened. I'm going to call you out. It's by Tara DeWitt. It had a cute cover, and there was like a record player on it, and I was like, sounds now, good. Now, before you start, I want to take, I want. I have two theories Kay. about what the title, do they open no. a grocery co-op, Mm-mm. or are they a competitive co-op no. gamer team? No, I wish that, I wish both those are true. No. Um, they shop at the co-op. No, they have to cohabitate. Oh. Um, they So it takes place in Santa Cruz, which was really cool because I grew up going to Santa Cruz. Missy's husband grew up going to Santa Cruz. And Missy he lived right there. Yeah, he lived right there. And Missy's been to Santa Cruz with both me and her husband. Um, so and it takes place like right next to the boardwalk, too. So it's kind of cool. Um, it's about a girl who used to go visit her grandma who lived in Santa Cruz when she was younger um, started dating a boy there who was just mean to her um, but they hooked up when no one was looking and um, they got caught and he's like he's like she means nothing anyways and then she never came back because she was so upset well her grandmother dies and uh, she didn't she her grandmother dies and the kid the kid who she was hooking up with 
his grand grandmother was married to her grandmother and they left behind this house and they both each own it. And she's going, she comes back cause she wants to fix it up and sell it. And he's been living there and taking care of the other tenant that lives there. And he's just, you know, a nice guy builds things and fixes things for people. And it's a, it's an enemies to lovers. And um, it was really cute. Uh, they, fight a lot loved it love love the fighting about stupid things um there was people g- growth and people le- thinking like so one of the main fights that like was kind of like the crux of like oh shit was when they were younger they had to make build flower boxes and of course everything is competitive and he ended up doing building almost the entire flower box and then she took it and she made it essentially a real flower box and he always was like you don't ever do anything to help like i built that whole flower box and so it's like you built it but she completed it how can you say she didn't help and then he's like oh my god you're right i've been a dick and then she's like i've been a dick and um yeah and then you know rom-com continues as rom-coms do uh, i was a long time ago i read this book but it was really cute it was really quick and easy to read. It was a feel-good um, story in a place that I have a lot of nostalgia for. So when they're like, when they go to the boardwalk and like, do you want to ride, um, I forget the goddamn, Giant Dipper first? Or do you want to ride the Haunted House? I'm like, what's well, the hard cave choice? Train. Cave train, cave, <laughs> cave train, cave <laughs> train. That's fair. Cave train is so fucking when, weird. Last time I went to the Santa Cruz boardwalk, this is so uninteresting <laughs> for people who are not you or who haven't been to the Santa Cruz boardwalk. I was recovering from food poisoning and my stomach was still super messed up, so I didn't feel up to any ride. So that we we were just going to go to the Santa Cruz boardwalk to ride the haunted house and the cave train. We did end up going on the giant dipper. Though. Giant dipper is really great. It's um uh in the beginning of step by step. It's also in Cruz in California. Also the setting of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Santa Cruz is really fun. Um, and I hope everybody's doing okay there right now. I hope it's rough. Oof, I hope everyone's doing okay. Uh, I hope that I'm not going to have any issues flying there tomorrow. Mm. Um, I mean, we'll fly above clouds, but I have to eventually go back you do down. I have to them. go down eventually. Uh, but it'll be into a desert. So yeah. I know it's, it was supposed to be raining there all week, but it, last time I looked, it's not raining. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, co-op. It was cute. It was fun. It was very... It was very easy to read, um, and it was free on Kindle Unlimited. Um, it's not spicy, so don't expect that. Like a buttered egg noodle. It's, I would say it's a buttered egg noodle, sure, but there's also like a couple spices in there, but it's like salt and pepper. A buttered egg noodle with some garlic salt. <laughs> yeah, and like the- Delicious. Maybe, maybe not even salt, maybe powder. Garlic powder? There's no salt? No, there's salt. No, I mean, it's not like, anyways, it's just a lot of times when people think in the limited, they think like, ooh, super spicy. And that's not true. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's true for like 80% of the books, sure. But it was cute. It was fun. I enjoyed it. The cover was really cute. She really loves music. And I'm a sucker for any book where they're like obsessed with music. Um, like uh, the um, second, uh, it happened one summer, the, her best friend's obsessed with music. And I'm just like, immediately love. Don't care. Immediately love. So it was very. What if they were obsessed with country music? No, Mm -mm. I mean she was obsessed with like oldies, like Elvis and stuff like that, and I'm cool with that, Um, and like some indie stuff as well. But if you're, well, I take that back. Are you obsessed with like old country music and like Dolly Parton? Cool. 
into it. Trisha Yearwood. <laughs> sure. Um, but I don't want to hear some of the other stuff I don't really care about. You don't want to hear... Uh, fuck, what are they called? Damn it, I forgot their name. Big and Rich. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm obsessed with Big and Rich. Are you? No. Uh, I can't, no. Yeah, it was fun and cute. Uh, if you want to enemies to lovers. Sorry to the Big and Rich fans. Okay. Yeah, so sorry. Um, I don't really have much else to say about it, except it was cute and it was fun. And if you like uh, forced proximity, enemies to lovers, second chance. It's. I mean, it's just trope after trope. Sure. It's just following the trope thing, which makes it really easy to read. I think I read it in like two days. It's not very long. And it just makes it easy to read because I'm like, I know this trope. And if I don't like it, I'll just skip to the next trope. <laughs> Wild. Uh, yeah. Um, also, faulty plumbing means um, people get either sludge on them and have to take their clothes off or just have to take their clothes off and they walk in on each other. And it's great. I like that. <laughs> I love a I love a girl who's like oh no I can't function because this man has no shirt on. Um, I read that full moon feeling by Ashley Robin Franklin, which is a cute little rom com uh, comic published by Silver Sprocket. They very kindly gave it to me at San Diego Comic Con. Hashtag gifted. Thank you. Hashtag gifted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did some copywriting for them a long time ago, and now I work at Fanagraphics. And someone's gonna stalk you now. The people from Silver Sprocket are just the sweetest, just just the sweetest. I don't think any of you listen to this, but if you know, I want you to. If you do, I want you to know, y'all are just the sweetest. Um. Anyway, they gave me a. Actually, I think I did buy it. They gave me some stickers because I was like, I don't need any more free books. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Let me pay you. You indie press. <laughs> so, anyway, that full moon feeling. It was super cute. It's a little rom com about a. Uh, oh, fuck. It is about a witch and a werewolf. This is from the back. A witch and a werewolf go on three disastrous dates in this magical queer rom com. How could I not pick that up, right? It's super, super cute. Um, the only, like, sad. I was. When I read these, like, short rom coms, I'm always like, oh, I love this. And then it's over so fast. Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't had time to be devastated. I want to be devastated by this. Uh, and I wasn't. But that's not a bad thing. <laughs> sometimes it's okay to read things and just be like, what a great time I had reading that. And sometimes that's just the whole story. Yeah. Um, but it was super cute. I really love the art. It's very, like, expressive and in a really fun way like it's kind of cartoony um but the expressions are so funny like there's so much communicated by like the style that is more cartoony like i'm gonna show mary a panel which is not helpful to you the listener but this panel the blushing and the shakiness around the mouth the very top left so they're coming in for the date and the the blushing and the shakiness around the mouth like communicate so much nervousness that like wouldn't register if the art was more photorealistic and i love that um so it's super super cute i don't know what else if you aren't intrigued by a witch and a werewolf go on three disastrous dates in this magical queer rom-com i don't know i I can't do anything for you (laughs) You but if any part of that is like oh that sounds neat then you should read it it was super super cute (laughs) um yeah i really liked it so there you have it (laughs) It's another real one from Silver Sprocket. Just another banger. Another, another fucking banger from Silver Sprocket. I watched the Meghan and Harry documentary, which is the, I think it's three-part docuseries about, um, I think they're like 
the prince and princess. I think it's of Sussex or something like that. Who knows? But Prince Harry and Princess Meghan Markle, my forever king and queen, because fuck the rest of them. Um, and it was all about them, the work that they're doing, and like why they left the royal family. I'm not going to go into all this, the whole thing with the royal family. Like, essentially... Harry, if you don't know, Harry married Meghan Markle, who is an American actress from Suits. She went there. Everyone fucking loved her. She was, like, considered, like, the new Diana. And then suddenly everything changed and everyone was really racist to her. And the what they are claiming, especially in this documentary, and it sounds like especially in the book coming out by Harry, is that um, the palace didn't like how much attention she was getting. And so they leaked false stories or stories, like, that were didn't put them in good light, which is what was accused of the palace doing to Princess Diana. Um, and so after like she was getting threats, um, people were being extremely racist to her about her, like calling her ghetto and like straight out of Compton when she went to a private school in like a nice part of LA. Like in in no world was she anything like they were saying she is. Um, and just being super terrible. Um, and so they left. They went to Canada. And that takes place right around when they decide to step down from the royal family they, uh, and move. And it's pretty sad, actually. Like, they're, everything is taken away from them. All the money that they, that, like, they would make is stopped immediately, which means they have no money for security. So they were staying at a place in Vancouver. And people were... Um, like breaking into their not their house but like their their property because they didn't have security um, really interesting thing somehow they ended up talking to Tyler Perry and Tyler Perry's like well no one knows about this house and I can pay for your security come live in LA and so they did and for like six months no one knew they were there but what I really appreciated about this documentary is I think I think that everything that Harry went through and what his wife went through really opened his eyes to racism and how it affects everything. And the first episode, and I think the first part of the second episode, he really gets into like how England is racist, like talks about the slave trade and how it still affects uh, England today and how people um, can still feel the, the effects and, and how he was complicit in it. Like he, I mean, obviously he is a prince of England, like he's still very privileged, but just the fact that he was like, throw it all out there uh, and not just be like, I learned that, you know, I can be racist too and then leave it at that, but really go into the history I thought was really interesting. And um, I think he was really setting the stage to just fucking take down his whole goddamn family. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was really interesting. I think if, uh, I mean, it's definitely puts them in a good light. They, they're the ones who produced it, right? So they're the ones who get to tell their own story. But um, it's really, it's, it's actually really frustrating to go online and seeing people's reaction negatively to it because it's just stupid stuff. Like, oh, they're telling their story just to get paid when like the, the royal family gets paid by the taxpayers of England. Like, how is that any better? Um, and like just dumb stuff, but it was really interesting. So if you're interested in the royal family drama at all, like I, I had just finished the crown, so it was perfect. Um, I can't wait for in like five years for them to do this this story because it's gonna be juicy as hell. Um, they should get Meghan Markle to play herself since she's an actress. Um, 
But yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. I devoured it really quickly. Um, I think that their love story is really cute. Um, And uh, I think they just like, obviously, like I said, they're the producers of this. And so like, they're telling the story, but they just look really in love. And I think that's sweet. And he was he gave up a lot for her, like a lot. Um, And she didn't, they start with this video, like to show how really oblivious she was to all this it's uh years ago like more than 10 years ago her being interviewed at some convention for like one of her acting careers she's in and one of the questions that they ask is like harry or william which if you grew up you know around this time that was always a question of like which one do you like because everyone for some reason we're, we're obsessed with i mean it even happens in um not that question but in princess diaries they bring up prince william because everyone loved him. And I literally, I grew up like so, I have no idea. People would ask that question. I'm like, who? Well, that's what she did. She goes, I don't like, what? And they're like, which one would you? She's like, I really don't know anything. They're like, they're like, they say something. She's like, I don't know, Harry. <laughs> and it's very cute. Um, and so like they set the stage for her just being totally oblivious to everything. And one of the things I thought was really funny was she talks about bringing William and Kate, which is, um, Harry's brother and and his wife Kate, not Kate Winslet. I almost said Kate Winslet. Um, just Kate to her house. Middleton. Middleton, yes, Kate Middleton. I always get Kate Middleton and Kate Upton mixed up. Is Kate uh, Upton the one with the huge boobs? Yeah, I think so. From the Game of War commercials. I think so. I think so. <laughs> she I think be. you're correct. She and she's a Playboy bunny. Yeah. Yeah. She. I don't know. They're the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Both know. Name Kate. Um, she's like, I, they came to the house and, um, Meghan Markle was like, oh, I was barefoot in jeans and a t-shirt and they came and, you know, she's like, I didn't know, like in America, it's really like common just to hug. And she's like, they didn't, that's not something that they did there. And she's like, I didn't know, like essentially saying, I didn't know that this was a, a cultural norm there. So it was just kind of awkward. And then. <laughs> And then William and Kate's friends came out and they're like, they hug us all the time. What are you talking about? I'm like, you realize you're not helping yourself by saying they didn't hug her, <laughs> but they hug all the time. You're making them look worse than they are. It was quite funny. Um, but yeah, I found it fascinating. I am team Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Hardcore. I really don't care that much, but I love the drama <laughs> because these people um, mean nothing. <laughs> I just, I, I just really did appreciate how, like, you could tell Harry just went, he talked about how he wore a Nazi uniform and how that changed his life. And, and he called it the biggest mistake he ever made. Um, and just really, you could tell he really tried to acknowledge the racism he was complicit in and his family was complicit in and his country was complicit in, in a way that still put him in a good light, obviously, but I didn't expect so I appreciated that. I, I was kind of like it was happening. I was like, oh, people are going to be angry. People are going to be so mad. I watched The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Oh, Taylor Swift's favorite, favorite movie? Yeah. Um, but I want to give a little bit of, I want to talk about how good The Banshees of Inna Sharon is by talking about something else first, which is that my husband and I went on a little weekend getaway and we picked a hotel and the hotel only had one room remaining oh my God. and we're at the hotel and it's this old Victorian hotel. Like it's very old. Um, and we're sitting in the hotel. Oh, and when we get to the hotel, you, you go in and they're like, 
telling us where our room is. And they're like, go up, take a right at the portrait of the blue, the woman in blue, and you'll be in room number four, Miss Claire. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. So we go up there. We're hanging out at the hotel. We did some shopping, whatever, sitting on the hotel bed. And I go, you think this place is haunted? My husband goes, oh, absolutely. And I'm like, you don't even believe in ghosts. What do you mean you think it's haunted? He's like, I don't have to believe in ghosts to think that something haunted, that something's haunted. I agree with that. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense, but it makes perfect sense. And I feel like I just like that's something out of a book that you just said. Um, anyway, I Google it. Not only is it haunted, my friends, the most haunted room, not room number four, Miss Claire. <laughs> Who's Miss Claire, you ask? The ghost who haunts the room. The one that they referred to as the woman in blue at the top of the stairs. I'm not only in a haunted hotel, I am in the most haunted room of the haunted hotel. <laughs> Named after the ghost that haunts the hotel. So I was like, ooh, it's going to be a rough one sleeping tonight, I guess. Because I'm going to be worried about this fucking ghost all night. Um, but then we went to see the Banshees of Inisherin. So the Banshees of Inisherin is a, uh, <laughs> a dramedy. Um, a what? A dramedy. I thought you said tromedy. Well, that too. A, like trauma comedy. Yeah, that too. Um, it's a movie by Martin McDonough who did in Bruges. She also did Three Billboards and he's done some other stuff. I don't know. I haven't seen any of his other movies. Um, but it is a movie about two Irish men, one played by Colm Farrell, Colin Farrell. Colm is the name of the other guy's character. One <laughs> is played by Colin Farrell, who plays, excuse my Irish pronunciations. It's spelled P A D R A I C, but it seems to be pronounced Parik. So that's my best, my best way of saying it. I'm sorry if that's incorrect, but it's like Parik. So he plays Parik and, uh, Domhnall Gleeson's father. I just thought they had the same last name. It is, in fact, his father. Oh, really? Uh, Brandon Gleason, um, who a lot of people know as Mad Eye Moody from Harry Potter, um, he plays his. That's how Bob told me when we were talking about. It. He's like, it has the one guy from Harry Potter. Yeah, uh, he plays Calm, and they are two old friends who grew up on, who live on this island of Inisherin during the Irish Civil War. So it takes place in the mid 1920s when oh, I don't understand this conflict and I'm so sorry, <laughs> but it was, it was a conflict between two parts of Ireland and parts of Ireland, no, not like geographical, but people with different ideologies. And I think it had to do with loyal loyalists versus I don't know what they were called. There was the IRA, but like people who wanted to remain loyal to Britain and people who wanted to be separate from Britain. Um, Anyway, so they live on this remote island and they hear every day the fighting happening on the Civil War from the mainland. Um, But the gist of the movie is Colin Farrell with the hottest dad energy ever. Just like ferociously hot dad energy because he plays the kindest, like the the kindest one brain cell man on earth. I love him to pieces. Also, I've had a crush on Colin Farrell since I was a teenager, but it was a teenager. It was a teenage crush. I was like really ashamed of because I didn't think anybody else thought he was hot. I had a picture of him, but only in my closet. Like it was like hidden from prying eyes. She had the weirdest thing that she was like embarrassed of. It's true. With her nerdy friends. And Colin Farrell was definitely, was what I've never talked about. Um, the really funny thing is I definitely cut and I was trying to figure it out I cut that picture out of a magazine but what teen magazine was was pushing Colin Farrell in the mid 2000s the only movie like he was in a couple of movies I don't but like, know the, the movie I saw him in was Phone Booth like what, what? 
Did you look at his? I did. And there was something where I was like, well, maybe. Anyway, that's not important. Uh, what is important is Colin Farrell's radiating extremely hot dad energy in this movie. But um, I think this is where my love of men with thick eyebrows comes from. It's direct descendant of Colin Farrell. Sounds anyway, right. he plays Parik, who, again, super kind man, um, who, you know, is just like kind of contentedly living his life. He lives with his sister. He's not married um, on this remote island. He takes care of animals. He has this, this donkey named Jenny that he loves so much. And uh, he goes to visit Calm, his friend, to go to the pub together as they normally do. He shows up and Calm's like, no, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Truly, what the fuck was he in? I don't that- know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Daredevil. Yeah, that's gotta be. It's gotta be that, right? Anyway, Maybe the recruit Minority Report. Minority Report was the only other one I. I was like, I don't know. They market this in like Cosmo Girl. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Um, but so he shows up and he's like, "Hey, Calm, let's go to the pub." And Calm's like, Mm-mm, "I'm not your friend anymore." And and poor poor Parik is just devastated by this. And I feel this. This is my deepest fear. So he's like, he goes to the pub and they're like, "Hey, where's Calm?" And he's like, "He's not my friend anymore." they're like what do you mean he's not he's like are you fighting and he's like i guess we're fighting and they um (laughs) things escalate so he (laughs) he keeps being like hey why aren't we friends anymore you know you're not being very nice right now (laughs) Cole's like well you're a fucking idiot (laughs) and i just want to make music so that people have something to remember me by and then um uh parek is like well you know people would remember you if you were nice and he's like, no, they fucking wouldn't. And they argue over this for a while. Um, and eventually it reaches a point. This is a mild spoiler. I won't spoil the whole movie, but this is a mild spoiler from maybe a third of the way through the movie. Uh, Calm gives him an ultimatum, which is if you speak to me again, I will cut one of my fingers off. Whoa, that that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I won't say what happens after that. But um, the movie is simultaneously one of the funniest movies I've ever seen and also heart-wrenching. Like, I I came to the end of the movie and I was like, that was a lot. That was a lot of emotions I experienced throughout that. And the reason that I told you the previous story about the about my haunted hotel room is that, let me tell you, I didn't, I didn't think about the ghost at all. All I was thinking about was the Banshees <laughs> of I could not stop thinking about this movie. It was so good. I absolutely loved it. It's tied for my favorite movie of 2022 with everything everywhere all at once. And wow. honestly, they're very different, very, very different movies. But oh, at the same time, trauma. they kind of ha- they have a similar thing going with um, Evelyn's obsession with making like doing something with her life and Calm's obsession with being remembered beyond the span of his lifetime. Hmm. Um like you could you could draw you could draw lines between like Evelyn and Colm and Waymond and Parek. There there's there's some academic uh comparison there. Yeah, yeah. Um but I loved this movie. It was it was really really good. It's exceptionally well acted. It is really emotional in like across the full spectrum. I laughed a lot. I didn't I didn't literally cry, but there was like some moments where I'm like, "Oh, oh no." You could cry. I could cry. I could conceivably cry watching this movie. Missy doesn't cry. She's just I fucking steel. cry all the time. Um but yeah, it was it's real it's beautifully shot. It's wonderfully acted. Colin Farrell's eyebrows are incredible. Like he has this he can make the saddest face I've ever seen just on the strength of his eyebrows. Like 
it's like he is the platonic ideal of a sad face. Um, it was really good. I can't I can't stress enough how good of a fucking movie. So this you is. liked it? I loved it. I loved it. It was so good. And now I watched it again with my mom, who also really liked it. Um, so yeah, watch the Banshees of Inna Sharon. Um, I watched Black Adam, which is the DC superhero. I guess he's not really a superhero um, movie with The Rock. And it was bad. <laughs> um, my husband really wanted to watch it. And he was really excited. And he fell asleep. Um, <laughs> it is about a guy who it's lives. about drive. It's about power. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Um, I can't remember not, the rest of how that it's goes. It's family. We stay hungry. We devour. That, I think that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> As you all know, I'm huge since the the rock. Uh, he lived a long time ago and became like the hero of some people, and then it's modern. And then like he gets, I don't know, not killed, but like cast away. Like he, he's like frozen in the ground. I don't know. I I truly don't know. Okay, first of all, I watched a while ago. Second of all, I don't know if the show knows or the movie knows. Um, there's also some weird connection with Shazam, in which he also has to say Shazam to like oh. turn. Um, I I asked my husband. He goes, "It's too much to explain." <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't want to try to explain it. I looked it up and basically he, to put it in the simplest, as my husband said, the simplest of simplest terms, he's evil Shazam. Okay. Which is fine. Um, so modern day comes along. There's some, um, you know, people who are trying to take over wherever this, I think it's supposed to be. I honestly don't remember where it's supposed to be, so I'm not even going to try. It's not in America. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not in America. Um, and they're trying to take over. And the main character, her and her son, are like uh, revolutionaries. Like, I don't know if that's the right word. But they're trying to revolt against the people that are t- trying to take over their, their city. Um, and I think they're, like, I don't know, I think there's something mining there or something like that. That's why they want them. And um, her husband was, I don't know, they're like, not an archaeologist, but like looking for proof of this man and they end up finding it and like I think this crown will allow somebody to rule I don't know and then Black Adam comes out oops and he's like not a good guy like he's like he's uh, evil Shazam he's evil Shazam and I this is the one thing I did appreciate about this about Shazam I did appreciate about this movie was in it, there is a group of like, quote unquote, superheroes who come and try to stop what's going on, which includes stop the violence that Black Adam is committing um, and basically doing like the thing that we see all the time of like, it these people are doing something wrong, but it's also wrong to kill them. And Black Adam's like, no, it's not wrong to kill them. I'm going to kill them. Don't care. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate like I mean it's, it was a little heavy handed like I understand what the, what the like The Rock was really he I think he produced it and he really pushed it like I saw him on CNN for this movie <laughs> and I know what he was trying to do of like there's this one line where it just kind of sums it up where um something is happening and the girl goes to try and fix it and the superheroes are like no we'll do it and Black Adam's like not your people not your fight not your city not your fight and that means like essentially like if they if they're gonna use violence, that's their choice. And I was like, yep, that's basically what this is. <laughs> and I appreciated it. I think there should be more like, you know what? Violence. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, but that's about the only thing I appreciated about this movie. It was really bad. And for what my husband says about behind the scenes, and please keep in mind that my source is my husband. Um <laughs> I guess The Rock was really trying to get Black Adam. He's been trying to get this movie made for a really long time. 
And he was really trying to get like deep in his like hands, like controlling of the DC universe. Like he wanted to be in a end credit scene of like, I think Superman, I think Superman spoilers. I think Superman is in the end credits of this and he's, she's trying to tie it all in sucks for him. Now that all that's fucking gone out the window. And I don't think they're making another one because it didn't do well and no one liked it. Um, but I think it's interesting that he really, like, I think he manipulated, he really did, like, try to manipulate his way into this. I don't think that's bad. I think that's interesting. Um, also, it's DC, so I don't really give a fuck. And um, I appreciated that it was about how, you know what? Not your place, not your people, not your city. Violence. Sounds good. <laughs> and that's it. It was bad. <laughs> um, I read Lest I Know Your Weakness by Taylor Ramage. I think that's how Basically the same story as Black Adam. Absolutely. No. Um, Taylor Ramage, I, again, apologize if I'm saying your name incorrectly, uh, actually kindly sent us this book maybe 10,000 years ago. And I may have talked about it when I first read it, but uh, I don't remember if I did. So I'm going to talk about it again. And this is a book of blackout poetry made from Carmilla, the Sheridan Le Fanu. Yeah, something like that. Uh, book about the lesbian vampires. <laughs> that's a that's a. Um, a distillation, but that's what it's known as. It's what the web series is based on. Um, but the series of blackout poetry is so good. It's really, really good. <laughs> Great job on it. Um, what's really cool about it as blackout poetry. So blackout poetry, if you're not familiar, is when you take an existing work and using a marker or what have you, you black out sections of text to turn it into a new text. Um, so what Ramage has done is take the whole text of Carmilla, black out certain sections to make new text. And, um, the text that comes of this is like, is love poetry essentially, but it's love poetry with a vampire. So it's, you know, still quite dark. Um, but it was really skillfully done and I love it as a transformed text because when we look at something like Carmilla, which is this very old novel, the way that you would treat like sapphic attraction in that time period is obviously like, you know, we'll we'll use a we'll use a word here that I try to avoid, which is problematic. Um, and the reason that I say that is because you know it's coming from to my to my knowledge the perspective of a white man writing and God knows when I didn't look this up, um, and he's writing about romance between a vampire like an old ass vampire girl and a child <laughs> or like a teenager um and you know there's she's like literally taking her life force and she's killed all these other girls and it's not meant to be like aspirational like it's not like oh how romantic but through the use of blackout poetry um ramage reframes this story to be one that is romantic because it is it's it doesn't shy away from it being a vampire story it's still dark there are still elements of exploitation to it but it's so skillfully done that it it transforms this text which is really wonderful i like carmilla um but it transforms this text that could be seen in its time period as a cautionary tale about the dangers of lesbianism into something that is gothic romance you know in just a really wonderful way it's so skillfully done great job thank you for sending us that copy and i'm sorry it took me so long to talk about it it was fully years ago 
that we were sent this and I'm very sorry. I can't remember if I talked about it before, but I figured I would talk about it more in depth now that I've reread it. Um, so great job on that. And it's definitely worth a read if you like poetry, if you like Carmilla, if you're interested in gothic romance. Missy loves all these things. I do. I absolutely do. So great job. Good read. Um, I watched Wednesday, which is the Netflix show about Wednesday Adams, and which she goes to gothic Harry Potter school and a gothic Hogwarts. I mean, even down to like, um, in, what's in the fourth book when they do the Goblet of Fire? Yeah. They have a whole thing like that, too. It's quite funny. Um, in this uh, Wednesday, he's played by Jenna Ortega, who I just love. And um, she was in the newest Scream, and she was um, in You as well. She was not. <laughs> she was. was not. Um, I think I would know. I think I would know. Uh, and um, so I, I already really like her. And she goes, her parents send her away to this school for magical children. <laughs> Uh, because she fills uh, this water polo swimming pool with piranhas because um, they were mean to her, to his brother, mm. her brother. And um, so they're like, all right, you got to go here. And he, she didn't really want to go because her mom used to go there. And she was like the perfect, the perfect student and did everything. She was just, apparently she doesn't like her mom. We don't know why. No clue. Um, and she goes and a murder happens and some other things happen. And she's like, well, I have to stay now because I must solve this murder. And it was cute. It was fun. She has uh, Enid, I think is her name, is her roommate who is um, just the cutest. Whereas Wednesday is all black. Enid is all rainbows. And she's a werewolf, but she has yet to actually transform, except for she can pop her nails out and they're colored rainbow. And I think that's adorable. Um and like the the it was fun it was cute I wouldn't call this an Adams family show and when I say that I don't mean like this is not a show about the Adams family I mean this is not a sh- the Wednesday doesn't feel like Wednesday Adams it doesn't feel it doesn't feel in the same I don't know how much you watched the Adams family show I watched a lot as a kid I watched the cartoon a lot I watched the cartoon I watched the that and I watched a lot of monsters and got them mixed up a lot of times mm. um. But I watched a lot of it when I was a kid. I wouldn't say I'm a diehard fan, but I, you know, I I, I loved the cartoon. That and Beetlejuice. The cartoon was good. I also really loved um, the Christina Ricci one, which Christina Ricci is in this, and which I think is adorable. Um, and but it just doesn't feel like an Adams Family vibe show, and that's okay. I'm okay with that because you don't know, know why it was made by Tim Burton and I'm sick of Tim Burton and I was really worried. I was like, is this going to be like Alice in Wonderland, one of the worst Alice in Wonderland remakes ever, in my opinion. I'm so sorry if you like it. And it didn't feel like that. It was fun and quirky, but in a way that felt right. Um, it felt good. It felt, I mean, it was made for the right demographic of the, like the, the kids these days. It felt, it felt like created for them. Um, and I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was fun. I, I got it, ju- it just got um, renewed for a second season, and I'm excited for that. Um, I think the characters are interesting, and um, I don't know who, who everyone else is for, but I'm for, I don't remember their names, but I'm for Wednesday and the Normie getting together. I just think he's cuter. Um, the other guy is kind of weird, but, you know. I say why not both, but uh, or Wednesday just stays by herself, which seems to be kind of what she wants. Um, also, everyone loves the dance that she does, 
And I think that the dance is really cool. And I think it's, except everyone changed it to the Lady Gaga song. And it's not to that. It's to a different song. Yeah, I've, I've not seen it. I, I think I heard her talking about it. I don't know how I heard about this, but her talking about how she watched like a lot yeah. of gothic dance yeah she watched a lot of stuff and then but i've only seen people doing like the tiktok yeah and that one's fun but like when you watch it with the original music and everything happening it just it was so it was one of the best parts of the show it was really really good um and i think by modernizing it with the music for tiktok is fine but i think it lost some of its like specialness Mm -hmm. um which is not like not to say anything like it's not deep. It's not that deep. <laughs> uh, I just like it better uh, within the show. Um, yeah, I had a good time. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It was good. I had a good time. It was something my husband and I watched when he came home for lunch, and we watched it. And uh, I did finish without him because uh, we started we started watching um, Way of the House Husband instead. Oh, I want to watch that. <laughs> my husband, not to change the subject. Has no, has, is only talks to me when he, he, all he says is, I want to be a house husband. That's all he wants. That's all he wants in life. And, uh, and he wanted that before this, but now he really wants it. <laughs> Anyways, that's a really, 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 really good show. I'm not done with it yet though, so I'm not gonna talk about it. Wednesday. Good. Liked it. Enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, so immediately after finishing Squid Game, the most like Jeez. intense, uh, emotional show we immediately started Love Island USA because they Congratulations. It. So what I don't think I've ever talked about on this podcast, but I have talked about on the SideQuest podcast, is that I fucking love Love Island, the game. <laughs> the first... The first... Without seeing any of Love Island. I've never... I'd never seen Love Island. I didn't even know what Love Island was. My, my introduction to Love Island was Love Island, the game season two, which is excellent. It's a great... It's a great season of the game. It's um, a mobile game. It's a mobile game. Uh, the, the rest of it specifically love island the game two is a topic for another day uh so love island usa love island is like big brother but with dating so on it you have to couple up you don't have a choice you have to get in a couple it doesn't have to be a romantic couple but you have to like theoretically share a bed one of you can like sleep on the couch or sleep outside or whatever um it has all kinds of fun slang like grafting and cracking on what the fuck is grafting flirting and cracking on is when you're flirting with somebody else other than the, the person that you're on, that you're with. Uh, you've got the constant refrain of my head's all over the place and it's early days. <laughs> anyway, so it's a, it's a dating show, but it's like Big Brother. They're in this big, beautiful villa with the snarkiest narrator. And the narrator honestly like really makes the show because if you didn't have the snarky narrator, you would just wa- be watching exceptionally boring, attractive people like just sit around. Um, they don't do anything. They play sometimes they play like a really silly game that has no benefit to anything whatsoever. Like they just do a game and there's no reason. There's like nothing happens as a result They're of just this board. Yeah. Well it's like a game like um well some of it, like there's the I think it's excess baggage or whatever, where they have like secrets and then they have to guess whose secret is which and this kind of I don't know. The games overall are just exceptionally silly and just are just there to like stoke sexual tension or drama between the couples. Um Love Island is not a good show. Uh I would not use the word good to describe it. Um also the show really needs to stop three quarters of the way through. And I don't care who wins because here's the thing. It's only fun to watch when um you don't like when 
there's uncertainty. Like, who's going to end up with who? Who's going to backstop who? First of all, this first season of Love Island USA, everybody was way too nice on it. Every time they'd get a new Islander, I'm like, this one's got to be a bitch. We need a bitch in this house. None. Not a bitch to be found. That's usually like when you're starting um, reality shows. That happens often. Yeah. Because they're just, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, or it's like the most fake bitch ever. Yeah. No, it was not. It just was, like uh, uh, Selling Sunset. They weren't too bad in the beginning. They are kind of no. boring. Yeah. So there was like very little drama. I wanted to see people stealing couples. I wanted to see. Like, like in your game. Yeah. I wanted to see some shit go down and it didn't. So that was fine though because the let me tell you the boys in this show ov- overall obviously there are some shitheads in it but oh my god they were so goofy and so silly they would just the girls would be having like a normal time and then they would cut to the boys and they're fucking playing leapfrog and then they would like leapfrog <laughs> all the way to the challenge and that would just be <laughs> this is what they do what they were so silly um just a just like a pack of himbos in there. Um you love to see it. You love to see it. Anyway, they the the first like three quarters of the show was like fun because you weren't sure what was gonna happen and things were being shaken up. And then you get to the last quarter of the show and everybody's in stable couples and you're like, This is boring now. I don't wanna sit people what what like watch people just sit around and be like, Oh, I love you so much. I can do that at home. Um, so the last quarter of the show or whatever was not that great. But if you need something mindless to watch where you can get invested in other people's relationships, uh, Love Island is not the worst way to pass the time. Um, I watched another reality show and I actually preferred Love Island, which I'll explain when I when I talk about the next one. I okay, so I had two weeks off from my work um, and the first half of my week was fine. And then the second half of my week went to shit. And I couldn't focus on anything. So I read about nine hockey romances. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you've read a hockey romance, you've read them all. They're all they were basically all the same. So I'm only going to talk about one of them. <laughs> it was a toss between Mile High, which is the one I'm going to talk about, uh, Mile High by Liz, Liz Tomford, and Consider Me, which which is really, I don't know who that's by, but it was really cute. It's, it's very cute. Almost all of them are about playboy hockey player meets girl needs to fix this, their image somehow or want loves her immediately and wants to prove that he is not a playboy anymore because he loves her that's it that's how all of them are there's no <laughs> there's no um i chose mile high because mile high was the only one out of all these books that didn't have a white main character <laughs> i saw um a tiktok a long time ago very funny about how um there's so many hockey romances because there's so little amount of um, non-white people who play hockey. Mm-hmm. And it made sense. Um, I've read some other, like I've read baseball. I've read one football romance. Um, and I, for some reason, I I have an issue of when I start to read something, I'll want to read a million of it. I did the same thing with mafia romance. I devoured all of it right now. I don't want to read it. I didn't want, well, I actually just started another mafia romance. It's not good. But I like, there's nothing in there. I didn't want to read dark romance. I didn't want to read mafia. I just was like, give me a dumb dude who wants to bang a pretty girl. <laughs> Done. So hockey romance filled that. So mile high, mile high is, um, takes place in Canada. Um, these, these places usually take place in Canada or Minnesota. <laughs> it's cold there. Maybe Wisconsin um and that's about it and um 
I believe this one's in Canada. It may not be. Doesn't matter. Um, Playboy hockey player um, who keeps a book of all the girls he's slept with in each city. So if he doesn't want to go out and try and find a lady, he can just call one up. Like that's how much of a playboy he is. And uh, turns out like his, um, he doesn't always go home with these women. Turns out his agent is um like pushing him to have this like bad boy um reputation and spoilers in the end it's because he's actually getting money he, money from the photographers that he tips off to go take pictures of of him uh, but he meets a he meets a uh a airlines attendant right that's what they're called Flight attendant. Flight attendant. They, she meets a flight attendant who does not give a shit about who he is. And at first, like, he meets her and she's like, um, she starts to say, like, I think she's going to say, like, are you ready for your um, exit row speech? Because they always sit in the exit row. And she gets to, are you? And he's like, yes, I'm so-and-so. You cannot have my autograph. And she's like, fuck you. I don't know who you are. I don't care. I don't watch hockey. And then he gets upset. Not, like, upset. He's like, she talked back to me. I love her. <laughs> As things go. Um, turns out her brother is in uh, like a really famous basketball star, which the next one's going to be about his brother and her best friend. And I'm very excited. I you know I love a best friend's sibling trope. Um, and not anyways. Um, so another thing about this one that was different was that the character, I would not say she was plus size. The way they talked about her, I wouldn't say she, she was curvy. And um, she wasn't really thin. And so at least she was something. <laughs> like, she was slightly different than the rest. Actually, there were some other ones, but I still... Anyways. Um, and they finally get together, and they have really hot, steamy time. And um, then they have to keep it a secret, because he has to keep up his bad boy image. And then it gets out, and people are really mean to her, because she's not really thin. And then he has to break up with her. Because, of course... And then, you know, they get back together. It's very, it's very, it was good. I enjoyed it. I thought of all the hockey romances I read, it was like probably top three um, of the ones I liked. Um, yeah, if you want a recommendation for a hockey romance, I got a few. I got a few. <laughs> but if you've read one, you've read them all. So, um, yeah, basically what it comes down to is like really specific tropes. If you want to read a really specific trope. Um, but it sure was, just as Missy watched Love Island, sure was a good way for me to numb my mind. <laughs> Sometimes you need a little I needed, I didn't even need, like, I've watched, I didn't even need a TV show. I just, like, I didn't want to turn on the TV. I was so done with life. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds bad. I was so annoyed with things that were happening and just didn't want to deal with any of it. Um, so Hockey Romance it was. Nice. Um, yeah, if you want to read one, I would. I would. My suggestion. I haven't read them all, but I've read a lot. Would be um, Mile High or the Consider Me and Play with Me series. There's gonna be more of that series soon. I'm actually really excited because I like the next character they're gonna do in that, who is just a, a sweet boy, <laughs> a sweet boy. Um. So in the peak life falling apart phase. I started watching Too Hot to Handle, which is the Netflix series where they put a bunch of horny hotties on an island and say, you can't fuck. <laughs> that's the premise of the show. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. That's basically it. They put them on the, they have like Evil Alexa, the robot, 
<laughs> there and she's like I saw you kissing <laughs> minus $2,000. What? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's again, kind of like a big brother situation. I've looked at, I was curious about like, how do they do this? How is it actually a surprise? And what happens is they tell them they're being recruited for a show about partying the hardest. Whoever parties the hardest is going to win a pot of money. So they show up to the show and then they find, they have like, 12 hours or something where they're under the impression it is this party show Man, and then, that would be so terrible if that was an actual show the, yeah who can party the hardest yeah that's dangerous they uh then tw- about 12 hours and they have uh basically alexa i can't remember what the name of it is on the show but i like evil alexa evil alexa is like, well, alexa is pretty evil yeah Ele- evil alexa is like actually this is the real show you have to stay on this island and you can't kiss touch you can touch like you could like rub somebody's shoulders or something but no you basically can't have sex don't pass first base or we're taking money out of the pot i see i see how much is in the pot i think it started at a hundred thousand okay and i can't remember the exact amounts but um it's like if you kiss you lose like three thousand if you you know fool around you lose like between like 10 and 15 can you you gain money there's no way to gain money at first. Okay. They they do introduce some ways to regain some of the money that they've lost. But for the most part, no. You start at 100000 and you just go down. Uh, or you don't go down, as it were. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. These people on this show are incapable of not having sex. I did not have sex for a large portion of my life. And... I found it a lot easier than these people who are incapable of not fucking. Well, to be fair, like I'm thinking more about this premise of like saying it's where you have to party the hardest. And I think that's actually really smart because a normal person would be like, that seems like a red flag and seems like something that's going to get me killed. So the people who do agree to it are going to be the stupidest. It truly was. I was like, you guys have no (laughs) fucking self-control. Pun intended. Um, like, I could not believe... These people know each other for, like, four days. They're like, we have to fuck right now. We can't, we can't not fuck. Like, we have to. Um, fuck or die. Ser- that's what it felt like. It, that's what it felt like. Um, the worst part about it to me was that, like, most of the people had no chemistry. <laughs> they had no visible chemistry. It was just like, we're hot. We're here. We gotta fuck. <laughs> You're hot. I'm hot. There's a bed. Yeah, pretty much. Um, they. How many people had sex? At least one couple. Okay. It might have been two. I think it was just one. There was one couple who single-handedly cost almost all of the money out of the pot. Um, How do they know that they had sex and they have... Uh, there are get, cameras everywhere. In the bedroom? They're in the bedroom. I assume they, they don't sh- like show that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the same thing in Big Brother. Yeah, and Love Island. Yeah. Love Island, they're pretty like... You can see them moving around. It's like The Sims in there. You can see oh, them wow. moving around under the covers. All the covers and, are yeah. going. Um, too hot to ha- too hot to handle was pretty good, but I think we need a combination of too hot to handle and Love Island. I think I that think would be preferable if you combine those and then broaden um, Survivor. No, no, no. <laughs> courtship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think that would be interesting. Was good and bad. Too hot to handle was it was pretty good. The things that didn't work for me was it's really short, so I could not get invested in these people. Mm. Um, mo- there were some people in the show who got like no screen time because they weren't interested in fucking. 
Like they were just like, I don't care. I want money. I want money. So they did not fuck. And they didn't pass the vibe check. Yeah, they were very. They were barely on the screen. The highlight character, I think her name is Chloe. Apparently, she's also in the circle. Um, she was the best one because she has one brain cell and is so charming. She's just so funny, <laughs> and I liked her. Um, the the sort of the couple that became the main couple only because they were costing the team so much money. Um, they were enjoyable because they were kind of shitheads, and I I I approved of that. I wanted to see the shitheads do more shithead things. Um, but I think overall, a combination of Love Island and Too Hot to Handle would be ideal because like. The people in Love Island, like the people in Love Island, were not fucking. They like took their time about it. Like some of them did, but they like it, they had been on the show for like three weeks or something like that before they were fucking. <laughs> on Too Hot to Handle, they like see a person. They're like, now we now we gotta fuck. We got we have to now. Maybe um, there's some love po- uh, po- pollen in the air. <laughs> maybe I was like, did they like recruit people with sex addiction? They probably sex addiction issues for they this. Probably incentivized it behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Um, they're out there giving everybody oysters and what's that thing that everybody's the Spanish fly <laughs> or they're just like I'll give you a hundred bucks right now I'll give now. you a hundred bucks right now if you fuck um, that's gotta be like illegal right <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a prostitution by proxy yeah Um. so Too Hot to Handle was enjoyable I don't think I liked it as much as Love Island the reason being that I was not invested in the people or their success mm-hmm. I was invested in their failure I was like, yeah, do it. Screw it up again. Um, mostly because most of them weren't interesting. They were hot but uninteresting. In Love Island, many of them were hot and uninteresting, but they were uninteresting in kind of a sweet way. Like the main the the couple that won were like fantastically boring. They were so boring because they were just like two people who were really cute together. Um, and they didn't stay together because very few people do. Um, there was also the roller coaster, everything with Kira. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> uh too hot to handle it was all right apparently the others the later seasons add in some more things that may make it a bit more exciting mm-hmm. um but i want to be invested in i want to be invested in the characters you know and I, I this season just didn't do that for me but it was very funny seeing how many people cannot keep it in their pants for eight hours just like just cannot just physically can't like yeah, just amazing the degree to which everybody was so horny all the time. That must be so difficult to get through your daily life to be that horny. You know, it takes all kinds. A horn dog got a horn. A horn dog got a horn, as we're always <laughs> saying. Um, I watched Bones and All, which is a cannibal love story starring Timothy Chal- Chalamet and Taylor Russell, who I don't think has been in much else. But um, it is about it's about. I don't know if they're teens. They're in their late teens. I don't think they're in high school. So um, we're probably like 19 and 20 or something. And uh, you start off with, oh, no, she is in high school. She is in high school. Um, She, the main girl, she, I think her name's like Marion or something. I just looked at it, but then I forgot immediately. (laughs) Um, Marin? I think it's Marin because I kept thinking they're saying Mary. Um, it starts out, she's in school and she's like trying to, um, this is a very indie, like dry, slow movie. And I think that's part of the reason a lot of people didn't like this because they weren't expecting that. This is a very slow movie. Like, um, some, my husband said somebody had compared it to like, um, Twilight, uh, cannibalism, like, like 
if if Twilight without cannibalism would be this. And I think that's wrong because I think Twilight is faster. <laughs> and it's not as like, it's just that really indie feeling of like teenage love. And um, I think if you go in expecting like a horror movie about cannibalism and to be like really gory, it is. But it's not that. It's really not that. It's more of an indie love story than it is a the, like a uh, gory horror it just happens to also be both those things so it starts off with her like trying to make friends in school and she accidentally bites off her friend's finger and eats it oh yeah i do that all the time uh, yeah and then um she she runs home and her dad's like guess we gotta move again because apparently this has happened a lot you find <laughs> out she he first found out she was eating people because she ate her her nanny not all of her nanny just like her face um and so it seems as though maybe her mother also had this issue. He ends up leaving her. He's like, I can't deal with it anymore. Sorry. <laughs> and so she has to fend for herself. And she ends up meeting this older man who's like, I could smell you. You're an eater. It's what they call him. You're an eater. And he takes her in. And he's kind of creepy. But she like has nowhere else to go. And she's the. Fr- she didn't know that she she thought she was the only one. And there's, he's like, there's not a lot of us. But you know, you can smell it on us. Like, there are others. And he's kind of creepy and he keeps he keeps locks of hair tied together of all the people he's eaten. And he has like a moral code, but it's still kind of like a messy moral code. Um, He can like smell when people are dying. So he's at this house and turns out it isn't his house. It's a woman who is like, I don't know, something had happened. She was dying and he smelled her. And instead of like, he just lets her slowly die so he can like feed off of her. Um, it was really weird. And then finally, the girl is like, Marin's finally like, mm, you know what? Peace, I'm out, and runs away. And he's very upset about it. Eventually, she meets Timothy Chalamet, who is also an eater, and they fall in love. They go <coughs> on a road trip and trying to, you know, survive. And Timothy Chalamet is very charming in it, and their love story is really good. I really like it. And um, it ends extremely tragically. But I think I think the ending is really good. Like I think the ending is so tragic and the way it ends is so like it's it's like kind of beautiful despite it being how grotesque it is. And I really liked that the more I thought about this, I mean the more I liked it. I think people expected something from it and it just wasn't that. And I think that that's okay if you didn't like it, but I I think you'd like it and I think Josh would like it. Um Bob didn't like it and that didn't surprise me at all. But it reminded me a lot of, like, those slow indie films we would watch when we worked at Hollywood Video. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that... Like, when I watched the trailer, I was reminded of Wrist Cutters. Yeah, something like that. I'm trying... There's another one I'm trying to think of that I just can't think of it, but I, like, have the vision in my mind. Um, Fuck. Chum Scrubber. No, but that came to mind. That's not the one one, That one. Igby Goes Down. Maybe. See, those are the things... That's exactly what this feeling, though. Like, like that's the kind of movie that it, it felt like. Apparently, it's based off a book. I would read the Chum book. Scrubber was weird. It was. And this was weird, too, and at times gross and grotesque. I would say, and this is a spoiler, one of the things that I think is maybe questionable um, at best is um, the one person you see that one of them really does, like, seduce and, like, you see watch them kill them is a gay man mm-hmm. and that kind of felt a little weird but mm-hmm. that's the only one we watched die <laughs> that's the only one we watched die um but besides that i thought it was really good i thought it was try it was so fucking tragic the end is so good and it's so sad and um 
it just kind of like makes the movie for me. Just it's not the same as um Saint Maud, mm-hmm. but that that ending, just like Saint Maud, the ending just made the whole film. Mm-hmm. The ending of this made their whole love story just really work. So because it is a love story. Um, it is just a really tragic one. Do they eat the bones? Oh, so the whole thing with bones and all is they meet some other eaters and they're like, have you eaten, have you had a bones and all? And they're like, what is that? And he's like, that's when you eat like literally a whole person. You'll be totally different when you do. And they had not done it. Mm. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. So it was good. I liked it. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, I think I'd watch it again even. Um, and I think, yeah, I thought it was good. Nice. So I'm a woman of diverse tastes, by which I mean I watch Love Island and I watch Too Hot to Handle. Oh my God. And I also watch The Science of Sleep, which was my favorite movie in high school, or one of them. Uh, the Science of Sleep is a Michelle Gondry film. Oh my gosh, I forgot about this movie. Starring Gail Garcia Bernal, the, the crush of my life. And I think Charlotte Gainsbourg. Gainsbourg? I'm not 100% sure how to say I'm her name. i right now. Uh, the Science of Sleep <laughs> It's a weird movie. It's a really weird movie. Uh, I was kind of afraid to rewatch it because I was like, I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to suck. It's not going to live up to my memory of it. Um, And it there are some ways it's not the greatest, but there is no other movie like The Science of Sleep. Hold on. There was a really good review of it that like summed it up perfectly. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, But the movie is about Gail Garcia Bernal's character, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Stefan Stefan yes and Stephanie Stefan it's Stefan Stefan Stephanie he basically can't tell the difference between when he's awake and when he's dreaming and the way that this is represented in the in the film is we see literally inside of his it's very Michel Gondry everything's kind of put together with cardboard and um, weird practical effects Uh, but um you you see inside of his head and you see him like creating these dreams and that kind of thing. And so he moves back to Paris after the death of his father. Um, and he starts this job that his mother tells him is going to be like an artistic job because he is an artist. And actually it's just like making shitty calendars. <laughs> and, uh, he, that's such a parent thing though. Like it's an art job. Yeah. And he ends up meeting his neighbor whose name is, Stephanie and he like falls in love with her but he makes himself look like such an ass because well he is an ass he's like absolutely a fucking child through the whole movie um and it's weird it's really unlike anything else I've seen I still really liked it this review which is from uh the New York Times by A.O. Scott uh writes Uh, What I'm trying to say is that the science of sleep, for all its blithe disregard of the laws of physics, film grammar, and narrative coherence, strikes me as perfectly realistic, as authentic a slice of life as I've encountered on screen in some time. Um, Plot summary is both irrelevant and impossible, which is not to say that the movie lacks a story, only that, like a dream, the narrative moves sideways as well as forward, revising and contradicting itself as it goes along. Michel Gondry, who'd rather invent than explain, makes a plausible case that a love story, which is what the science of sleep is, cannot really be told any other way. Love is too bound up with memories, fantasies, projections, and misperceptions to conform to a conventional linear structure. Michel Gondry is just really talented. Truly. Like, I really, really like Michel Gondry's movies. I really liked this. I'm I'm really glad I rewatched it actually because it was both uh, it was about as good as I remembered um, especially in terms of like invention there's nothing else like it it watching it is like having a dream like 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't progress in a way that like you expect. You're not 100% sure what's real at any given moment. Um, but it was still such an interesting thing to watch. Like, I still, I really liked it. And I see why I had such a crush on Gail Garcia Bernal, even if he's a fucking child. You still need to watch the werewolf movie, right? Yes. You'll like it. Yes. You'll have the same complaints I did, but you'll like it. Yeah. Josh will fucking love it. I love Gail Garcia Bernal. He is so cute. He's so fucking cute. Did you look at him in The Science of Sleep? Yeah, I just did. He's, he, <laughs> he's the blueprint for me. It's true. That boy's the blueprint. It's true. That it's true. purple suit. <laughs> Where's his hearse? Where's his hearse? Fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still really like The Science of Sleep. It's definitely not a, it's not a perfect movie. Um, I think there... Well, what is? There are definitely parts of it that are a little rough to watch in 2022, but it came out in like, what, 2006? Something like that? Something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're all capable of growing in 16 years. <laughs> um... Yeah, I liked it. Nice. It's not my favorite movie anymore, but I can see what it was something I used to put a, put on when I couldn't sleep. Um, I would put it on because it has kind of dream logic to it. So it does that thing where like, <laughs> I can't follow what's going on. My brain's getting tired. <laughs> I go to sleep. I watched the rom-com bros, which is came. I watched it a while ago. It's a, it's a gay rom-com with, um, Billy, Billy on the streets. Eichler. <laughs> no, is that his name? Is it Billy Eichler? Uh, for a second, I thought I said Eilish. Yeah, it's Billy Eilish. No, it's Billy Eichler. Yeah, Billy. Eichler. He's the one that yells at people on the streets. He's all, he's the one in Parks and Recreation. Which, yeah, for no fucking reason. The, <laughs> she drove me here. Yeah, it's so funny. It's not even that funny, but it's so funny to me. <laughs> so he's in it, and then there's another guy. I don't know. He's in it. And he, he, <laughs> other guys there. um i don't remember people's names you should know this if you listen to me if you listen long enough you know everyone has a name whatever everyone <laughs> has a name <laughs> someone had a name if i know the actor then that's their name and everything um i'm looking it up for yeah, you thank you uh he is lonely and sad and he has a podcast about i think it's about being luke mcfarlane sounds right aaron yeah. Is Billy Eichner playing a thinly veiled version of himself? The character's name is Bobby Lieber. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. It's it is quite funny because so his character, he is uh he worked his whole life to uh start like the first gay museum. Like mm. and it is quite fun. It, it's funny. It's a funny movie. So it's about him. It's a total rom com. He wins an award for best white cis gay man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite funny. Um, he starts dating people. Everything sucks. Like they're not really good. He's not really good at dating, um, using dating apps and stuff. And then he meets this guy. They kind of like hit it off. But the guy um, is kind of like, I don't really date. But then they keep end up like finding themselves in dates. It's very cute. And he's very like manly man. He even shoots himself up with steroids and he loves the fucking gym. And so he kind of feels, I think what, from my understanding, like he f- feels like he doesn't want to look like the stereotypical gay guy, and the the Billy guy is really very much that. He, I mean, he's the president of this um, or the CEO. I don't know technically what it would be for museum uh, of the curator. Curator. For I'm the, looking at the uh, thank the you, page. thank you, thank you for filling in my blanks. And he's like, it's his big thing, and he's very flamboyant. And like at one point, he meets his family. And he tells him, like, can you please turn it down? Which just must feel fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. And he does the opposite. <laughs> he does the opposite. 
and uh yeah it's kind of wild the 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 board who runs the um <laughs> the museum is really funny they're like they're, they're trying to find the last um exhibit that they're gonna have and they wanted to like i think they end up doing like the hall of lincoln where there's like a theory that lincoln was gay mm-hmm. it's very funny they end up putting like uh uh <laughs> A roller coaster in it to show like trauma of the trauma of gay people through the years. <laughs> it's very funny. It's very fun. It was it was just a t- like a typical rom com. I really enjoyed it. It was very um, cliche and corny, but in all those really good ways. Mm-hmm. The ways that you just want a rom com to be. It felt like a real throwback to how rom coms were like ma- mass produced. You know that kind, yeah. and I liked that. I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. I wish it would have done better in the box office, but um, no surprise that it didn't. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I think it was fun. I don't think it was like gr- amazing or great, but I don't think it needed to be. Mm-hmm. It is. It was exactly what it was. It was funny. I didn't like it as much as I liked that other movie um, about the island, Fire Island. Fire Island. Fire Island was super fucking good. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it as much as I liked that. Um, but it was quite funny. There's some Deborah Messing is in it, and that is quite hilarious. That whole scene is very fucking funny. Um, and um, yeah, there there's some stereotypes. Clearly, I don't know what the stereotypes are. I am very straight, and um, there's some stereotypes for like lesbians and bi people and stuff that they're definitely being played upon. That I'm like, I kind of get that. I kind of <laughs> get it. <laughs> I get it a little bit. Um, and uh, it was it was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, I suggest uh, if you like rom coms, highly suggest it. I'll put it in my jar. Yeah, I, I think rom coms. It'll be perfect for you. Good. It'll be perfect for you. Good. I watched Glass Onion. Me too. People are so horny for this movie. They are over the top. I liked Glass Onion. I liked it. Glass Onion is the Knives Out, not sequel. Companion. The companion to Knives Out. I don't even know if you call it Companion. Same universe. Same universe. The the Knives Out cinematic universe um, in which a, a wealthy tech guy played by Edward Norton invites a group of people I'm not trying not to spoil anything. A group of people to his island during COVID, and uh, Benoit Blanc, the detective from Knives Out, is also invited, and he's not 100% sure why. Nobody's really sure why he's there. Um, and from the trailers, you can see that Edward Norton's character wants to have a murder mystery party in which all of these people will try to solve his death, but things don't go quite according to plan. And I don't want to spoil the the plot. If you, you can't, yeah, you you can't. It's hard to talk about because like it is a mer- mystery. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a mystery on a mystery it, it on another a, mystery. It's a glass onion, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked Glass Onion. I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. The performances were great. I think everybody did a really good job. It was a lot of fun. It didn't land for me the way Knives Out did. I agree. I, I watched it with my husband and I said, that was really good, but it wasn't as good as the first one. And my husband said the exact opposite. Really? Yeah, he liked this one more. And I think that it makes sense to me. I think it's just a different vibe and yeah. it, and you're going to either go one way or the other. Um, I just think that Glass Onion was the... I mean... I. I start to say like it felt really easy and like but but so did Knives Out it felt really easy to understand the thing for me so I wrote an article when (laughs) Knives Out 2 was announced saying I don't think a Knives Out sequel should prioritize Benoit Blanc and I'm not going to rehash all my arguments I can link it in the show notes if you want but um, but you're right 
I I just felt that the obsession with Benoit Blanc returning had a connotation because what makes Knives Out good is not Benoit Blanc, mm-hmm. right? He's a Daniel Craig fucking kills it. Like and everything that he does. Wrong. Don't get me wrong. Benoit Blanc is an absolute delight every moment that he's on screen. I love the character. He's so much fun. The thing that made Knives Out good and not just a um like ex- expected murder mystery was that the movie was playing off of the biases of its viewers to tell a story That's about right. about whiteness and about the way that well basically if you're what if you're white and wealthy it's a big old fuck you to everybody else doesn't matter what else goes on you're always going to side with your white wealthy peers and the thing that really worked about knives out for me is that it implicated the audience Mm -hmm. to an extent because yeah there are certain characters in knives out where you're like that person fucking sucks the nazi kid that kid fucking sucks Michael Shannon's character, I love Michael Shannon. Michael <laughs> Shannon's character, that guy fucking sucks. Um, like, there's a few of them where immediately, like, that person sucks. You can tell, like, Tony Collette's character is a play off of uh, Gwyneth Paltrow with mm-hmm. her company. You can tell, like, and, and, like, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, you're like, well, she, you know, she doesn't suck. It's just that, like, you can tell, you know, she had the big gift from her father in order to start her company, and now she's professing that she's a self-made woman. She isn't. But you're like, that doesn't really make her a bad person. And then you have uh, Kat Denning's character, Meg, who is a liberal arts student who, like, stands by Marta. And you're and for the the majority of the movie, you're, like, with her. You're like, she gets it. She's the good white one. That's me, dude. Yeah. And then, spoilers for Knives Out, no, she still sides with her wealthy family. She sells out Marta. And at that point, the thing that's successful about Knives Out to me is you go, oh, it was easy for me to relate to her. And that's the yes, point. That's, yes. So I felt implicated in what's going on as a white person. Even, um, what's his name? Chris Chris Evans? Chris Evans. Chris Evans' yeah. character for, for a lot. Because he's the one who says, fuck you to everybody. Yeah. And you're fuck like, you. yeah, fuck that's you. right. Fuck you. Yeah, that's right. Like, you're like, yes, you should say it. You're kind of a dick, but like, you should, yes, I agree. And then yeah. again, you get implicated by your identification with this white character yeah. who might be kind of an asshole, but actually it turns out a lot worse than that. Um, so that's what was really successful about Knives Out to me was the fact that as, as a white audience member, I was implicated in the statement that the movie was making. Mm-hmm. Now turn to Glass Onion, where you have a bunch of people who are nothing like me. All terrible and easily. And they were, the movie was effectively dunking on, you know, a variety of things. Performative liberal politics. I guess the liberal person is what probably, like, there is an attempt to do that, but they're so high above that I still cannot. I simply don't have the power of any of those people. Yeah. You know, like, I simply. I don't relate to them. And so the movie Glass Onion to me is not a bad movie by any stretch. It is in fact very cathartic. It's It's cathartic to have that continuous dunking (laughs) on all of these people, right? Like I'm like, it's a lot of fun to watch all of these assholes have their lives burned down around them. Like, I love that. I love that for me. I love that for the world. But it didn't it didn't hit the same way for me because I wasn't implicated by it. I didn't I didn't feel anything was challenged about me by watching Glass Onion, which is what I liked so much about the first one. Yeah, it just kind of felt like, yeah, that Joe Rogan guy. 
definitely sucks. Yeah, which is not I, again. This is it doesn't make it a bad movie. It was a lot of fun. It was really. Yeah. I would. I, I really liked it. Yeah, I would watch it again. Like I had a great. I had a great time watching it. Um, it just didn't. It wasn't to me as good as Knives Out. It wasn't as effective. But it's really hard to be as good as Knives Out. Truly, yeah. And like there are complaints to be made about Knives Out, but um, overall, I enjoyed the experience of watching it, and I I enjoyed the fact that it implicated me as an audience member and Glass Onion didn't do that and that's why it didn't land for me to the same degree that Knives Out did. I did re- I rewatched Knives Out with my mom. My mom's take was pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> um she really liked I didn't watch this one. I was just in the room playing Cook Serve Delicious. She really liked Top Gun Maverick if you need <laughs> more mom recommendations. Um what else did we watch? There's one I'm missing. I can't remember. Anyway. Um she didn't want to rewatch Crazy Rich Asians because she'd already God, seen it. it's so good, though. I wanted to rewatch Crazy Rich Asians. Um, it's one of the only movies I've rewatched that isn't like a classic from my like childhood or yeah. something. It's just like it's the perfect eye candy, ear candy. It's funny. Story candy. It's sad. It's hopeful. They're hot. Did you know? Josh noticed immediately the guy at the end of. <laughs> um, Crazy Rich Asians, who it's like, because I think the next movie is going to be Astrid, right? Yeah. The guy at the end of the movie who there's like, you can see they're kind of setting up something between uh-huh. the two of them. That is Chad, a.k.a. Rakakuni's host. What? <laughs> what? He's literally a movie for, I don't think he's in the movie for more than like. A second. Yeah. He's just spirit. And Josh goes, is that Rakakuni? Oh my And I was like, God. what? The- no. And it, yeah, it is. It's Rakakuni. That's great. That's great. Uh, Anyway. Uh, Glass Onion. It was a lot of fun. Like it's a super, super fun movie. If you like just a fun murder mystery and you like to see rich people get dunked on, love it. It's excellent for that. I just didn't think it also was as, some more pretty people, also beautiful people in this movie. Um, I just didn't feel that it was as strong as Knives Out because I didn't feel implicated mm-hmm. in its execution the way that I did with something like Meg in Knives Out. Yeah, uh, but still a great movie. Had a lot of fun. But oh, people really are so horny for this movie. I don't think anybody has shut up about this movie since it came out, um, which is fine. <laughs> it's just like everywhere I turn, there's Benoit Blanc. Um, I, I haven't like seen living, it that much. I feel like I'm living in Knives Out right now. Everywhere I look, there he is. Well, have you heard how everyone's absolutely in love with Dave Batista now? I don't know why they weren't already. Well, especially now. Well, first uh, I saw, and I don't know if this. I don't know if this is part of. But this is part of why I like him. He's like he's leaving Guardians Galaxy and Marvel basically altogether because he doesn't want that to be what he's known for. Yeah. Um, but then he was doing an interview and he was talking about his tattoos. Oh, I saw. This, yeah, yeah, and he said I covered this one up because there was a teammate who is homophobic and I can't be attached to that. We're no longer friends. And I was like, fuck yes. Yeah, because I think he said in that interview his, his mom's, mom's a lesbian. Yeah, his mom's a lesbian. So everybody's. Um, in love with him right now. I don't know shit about Dave Bautista, but he's one of those he's one of those people that he just seems like he seems like a solid dude. Yeah. You know? Seems like a solid dude. Seems like a solid dude. And solid. Literally and figuratively yeah. a solid dude. Did you see everyone upset about the Chris Evans video? No. Okay, so I small small sidetrack. I'm sitting there and I start seeing like Chris Evans is it's trending. I was like, whatever, it's Chris Evans. And then I saw someone on my thing be like, that Chris Evans video, I'm in mourning. And my husband, I was talking to my husband, I was telling him this story. He's like, and I was was saying like, I was so afraid like 
did he say something racist or like, like, did he do something? Like everyone's upset about this video. Everyone's so upset online and, and I'm, I'm so worried. And I was talking to my husband. He's like, oh yeah, cause it's January 6th. And I was like, oh no, that's not why, but now it could have been. Um, he, Chris Evans, Chris Evans, <laughs> no, um, Chris Evans Where was Captain America. <laughs> Chris Evans put out a, a, a recap of 2022 of him and his girlfriend. <laughs> he is officially People dating. are so fucking weird about Chris Evans in particular. Well, to be fair, a lot of it was very like, um, I'm in more like not like serious yeah. stuff. But it but was. people really are so weird about Chris Evans in particular. It's true. But the video is quite funny. It's just him and his girlfriend scaring each other through the entire year. <laughs> um, like literally just hiding behind a, a wall and jumping out and screaming. It's oh quite God. funny. But anyways, sidetrack. I thought that was hilarious. I was so worried. I am absolutely immune to Chris Evans. I love him. The man does nothing. Even in the sweater? No. Wow. The sweater is great. Love the sweater. The Chris Evans is just, he's just a man. I think for me, it's only like extra because he's just like, seems like a really good guy. He says some really funny things and he'll call people out and stuff, but like nothing, you know, major or anything. But no, he is the definition of white celebrity liberal. Yeah, I like them. Like a like a saltine. Yeah, I like them. Inoffensive. I, you know what? I ate a bunch of saltines yesterday, so. so. You know what? I've really come around. I think saltines are pretty good. The saltines are great. <laughs> and then I was so upset because I was eating these saltines. And then Bob looks at me. He goes, look, saltine ball. And takes it out of his mouth. Like, oh, fuck, I hate you. I couldn't eat it. It got to stop for a little bit. No. Because I'm like, they're such a dick. I hate you. Oh, my God. <laughs> but yeah, Glass Onion, I liked it. My husband loved it. I thought it was really, really fun. Yeah. Good. Um, I watched, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio and, uh, in true fashion of Guillermo del Toro, he wanted to fuck up some kids. (laughs) Um, so he made Pinocchio and I'm assuming it's more true to the original story. And it's been ages since I read Pinocchio. I took a class where we read Pinocchio and watched Pinocchio. And I hope that my teacher is like living her best life Probably. that she has another Pinocchio to show other than the Disney Probably. one. Uh, well, even the live action one came out too. So like you got two Pinocchio movies this year, last year. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is a lot. <laughs> um, it takes so something that was really interesting about this Pinocchio. So it's the typical, but if you don't know what the story of Pinocchio is a man loses his son and, um, in, in, in this movie, gets extremely drunk and uh, builds a boy to uh, make up for his lost Love son. And because um, <laughs> he's like a wood maker. And then something happens. The fairies come. And of course, the fairies come. And um, of course, and they're the, always yeah. fucking doing it. <laughs> and del Toro. Um, and they're like, mm, let's make him a real boy. And so suddenly he's a walking, talking real boy who uh, literally is just an idiot. The biggest <laughs> idiot. What's so like biggest, but it also takes place during in Italy during Mussolini, I think is what it is. Like Mussolini's literally in it. Like they did, he did, he's like war. He loves a good war story in the middle of his fairy tales, doesn't yes. he? Um, and it doesn't hold back. Like it talks about in in the Disney version, the kids go and they like work at a circus, um, where the circus is actually like a front for like the slave labor for the kids. Pleasure Island. Yes, called Pleasure Island. It's the great part of the Pinocchio ride at Disneyland. Um, it's just so fucked up. And um, in this movie, it is taking place during the war, and the kids are used for child soldiers, essentially. 
and um, Pinocchio is stolen away by a circus, and then he's stolen away by the government and his dad and um, the cricket, who in this one's called, I think his name is Sebastian, who's also played by Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, otherwise known as Ewan McGregor, right? Hmm? Sorry. Who has also had a cameo in Glass Onion. No, that was Ethan Hawke. Josh saw the Ethan Hawke cameo in Glass Onion and was like, that's Ethan Hawke. And I'm like, that's not fucking Ethan Hawke. It was. It looked nothing like Ethan Hawke. Ewan McGregor, yes. Um, so the cricket is played by Ewan McGregor. And um, they go looking for him. I forgot that they get stuck in the whale, too. This is the whale story. Um, and it's disgusting in there. It's not a whale in this. It's just a big, gross fish. And it's gross. It's really fucking gross. And, like, almost dies. I mean, it's just, think of, like, the scary parts of James and the Giant Peach and then, like, make it worse. Like, that's how scary this was. And I really thought it was going to end on a really sad note. I'm like, of course he fucking would. Of course he would. This is trauma. But they didn't. Um, It was really fucking good. It was a really fucking good movie. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised how fucked up it is. Guillermo del Toro is like, kids are smart. And he doesn't hold back. Um, And he definitely didn't. And uh, I need to, I watched part of the making of, I need to watch the rest, but um, it was a beautiful, it was just beautiful to watch. It was a beautiful story. It was tragic and terrifying and disgusting and thoughtful. And I highly, highly suggest it, whether you like the original Pinocchio or not, it's just a good movie. It was really, really good. Nice. Oh. Um, the last thing I have is that I played the game Get in the Car Loser. Um, which is by Love Conquers All Games. You may know them from Lady Killer in a Bind and Analog Hate Story. Uh, Get in the Car Loser is a sort of JRPG-inspired RPG (laughs) where you play as Sam, who is sort of an anxious mess, whose friend Grace steals the fabled sword of fate and then grabs her boyfriend Valentine and says, and then pulls up to to drive the car. Valentine is the driver. And then pulls up to Sam and goes, get in the car, loser. We're going to go kill the machine devil. And the attempt to do the, just that. Um, the machine devil, and this, this is like a sort of, I think like a far future game in which I don't, follow the story 100% but it's actually kind of reminiscent of Final Fantasy X in that there's a big evil uh, in Final Fantasy X it's Sin and this it's the Machine Devil Um, the Machine Devil cult is rising up and the Machine Devil cult is largely comprised of like fascists and homophobes and transphobes and so on and so forth misogynists all the all that shit all All that shit Um, and Grace instead of waiting around for the next chosen one to get the sword, she decides, I am the chosen one. I will fucking take it. I'm tired of waiting while bad shit goes on. So she grabs the sword of fate and they set out on a lovely queer road trip to kill a god. Um, it's a lot of fun. That I think that Christine Love is so talented at writing just like the funniest dialogue to me i was there are so many times i laughed out loud playing this game uh, i did struggle a bit with the combat at first because i don't play a lot of jrpgs <laughs> and it's like a really in my opinion like a pretty robust combat system like it requires a lot of uh thought it's not just like press x to punch it's like order your attacks right or you're gonna get fucking steamrolled um 
It, so I really liked it. I especially liked Act 3. I'm writing an article about that now, so I don't want to go too in-depth on it. Um, but it was it was just it was really fun and it's really well written and it's really cute. The dialogue is really funny. Um, I think I th- really think this one kind of got overlooked. Like I see a lot of people saying like, oh, I want to play like a game with a lot of queerness in it where you fight, you know, homophobes. Or whatever. I'm like, hey, that's get in the car, loser. <laughs> like that's what that is. That's it. But I never really I didn't see a lot of people talk about this game. Um I like I don't know it just didn't make as much of a splash as some of Love Conquers All Games as previous work, um, but I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Like I said, I did struggle a bit with the combat, but that's not a universal experience. Other people were like, "It's too easy," and I'm like, "Who are you? <laughs> I f- fucking can't relate." Um, but yeah, it's good. I thought it was I thought it was really well done, and I think a lot of people would really like it. And I don't know why it just didn't make as much of a splash. It came out uh 2021, so it's now about two years old. Um, but totally worth playing if any of that sounds good to you. If you like JRPGs more than I do, you also probably be better at it than I am. <laughs> also, the character designs are so good. Um it's a game about hot people killing God. And like, what more do you need in life? <laughs> There's nothing. Um so that's it for this long what we've been up to because it could have been longer it could have been longer because there are definitely things i didn't put on here yeah yeah i think i put everything i did on like there. silent deadly night or some horror christmas we violent watched. night is that the, the new one there's yeah the new one i think it's violent night something like yeah i watched well i watched two of them i watched the new one and i watched an old one that's similar Oh, Silent Night, Deadly Night? Yes. And Violent Night. And I watched both of those. Yes. I couldn't tell you much about it, so I took it off. (laughs) Um, So that'll do it for this episode. You can find us online at fakegeekgirlscast.com. Has all of our our previous episodes, that kind of thing. Uh, Thanks to Emily June for helping us out with transcriptions. You can also find those on our website. Uh, Our Patreon, you can support for however much you want. You can support for $0 if you want. You won't get anything for it, but you can. Mm-hmm. Um, for a dollar per month, you can get access to our bonus episodes. Uh, and for $5, you can get our horny book club. What is it called? Spicy Book Corner. Spicy we book have corner. not done. I haven't. I need to upload one. I just haven't. I can't tell it's you. too much. You all, my life has fallen apart. I've been a fucking mess. Um, it, it's getting better. <laughs> It's just been it's been a rough fucking month for me. Um, there is one that will go up soon, uh, and there's more we have to record. There's more we have to record. Um, so yeah, next time American Gods. This one's going to be delayed as well because my life fell apart. It's hard. Life is hard. So there's going to be a delay. You'll get this episode, and then maybe a couple weeks later, you'll get American Gods. Uh, after American Gods, we're going to do Mean Girls. Excited. Very excited. And after that, we're going to be do Letterkenny. It turns out Letterkenny is 11 fucking seasons long. So... on the newest one is... Yeah, the newest one is, is season 11. So we really chose a great time to do it, though, if you want to th- yeah. look on the bright side. Yeah. So I don't know when that one's going to come out, because I, I haven't even started Letterkenny. I have a feeling it's just going to be two... Because Mean Girls is just one movie, so at least sure. there's that, right? I have a feeling it's going to be two episodes. Do you think there's enough material? Mm, great question. I don't know. I think there may be some uh, we have to start making up our own. But to be honest, there's been plenty of things that we have covered that I thought was going to have to happen. It didn't. Yeah. And I think the worst one we had was B-Movie where we did have to. There was something that was harder than B-Movie. Carmilla, Carmilla. actually was really hard. That there makes, wasn't a lot sense. about Carmilla. 
Um, but- I don't know. I feel like there might be a good amount of stuff, and I have I have, I think there's going to be a lush amount of things to talk about. Okay. I just don't know how much is going to be written about it. Sure, because there's a I think there's a lot to talk about. Okay. I have seen a lot of it. I haven't seen all of it. So Letter Kenny, we're not 100% sure if that's going to be two episodes or when exactly it's going to come out. But it could also just be two shorter episodes. It could be two shorter episodes. We'll see how it goes. I haven't started it yet, so I have no fucking idea. I just I don't want you to have to rush through it. I still have to fucking finish American Gods. That's not good. Uh, man, that first season was good, though. It was so good. It was so good. Um, so that's it. All right. Catch on the flip side. I haven't said that in a while. <laughs>